Hey, uh, this is RPR from Keep Shelling Athens, and you listen to Music A to Z. Welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I'm your host, part two, <laughs> D- Douglas Ferguson. How's it going, Doug? It's okay. I'm I'm very tired. Mm. I've had a I've had a long week. Uh my I had a one day weekend instead of a two day weekend. Mm. And that was a moving day. So this is our first time recording in uh, a new house. I'm gonna miss the uh being along an emergency res- response routes with uh, the occasional uh, blaring uh sirens. Yeah. Uh, those, were the, yeah, those were the days. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things you don't notice so much until you're trying to record. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's true. Yeah, you're right. Actually, we're pretty far away from the main roads. This house, we'll have to see how the acoustics are in this room. I'm already remember. sensing a bit of a, a bit of an echo, but so uh, a little know. different. We yeah. tried to we we just tried our hand at an, an upgraded microphone, but couldn't get it working. So maybe another day. Maybe another day. For sure. <laughs> I don't really have too much except for a, it's not even really feedback, but uh, a friend of mine, Eric, like we were kind of lamenting the, the Bee Gees episode on the 20 you know plus albums. Mm-hmm. And then he, he kind of offhand mentioned, he's just like, you guys should do Chicago. And I looked up their discography. Yeah. They're all self-titled albums. Even the first one, when they went by Chicago Transit Authority, it's called Chicago Transit Authority. So they're all self-titled albums and there's like 36 of them. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, I, and I was like, nope. And also, from what I know, Chicago, there's the uh, there's two eras. Mm-hmm. There's um, the era that I can stand and the era that I can't. Uh, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, and I just can't. I th- I think the era that I can't stand is much longer than the era I can. <laughs> and so, uh, for the record, <laughs> no. <laughs> we I would I just don't want to do Chicago. I, I can't knowing how long Queen took us, how long Bee Gees took us. I can't justify the amount of time it would take to research, record, and edit a Chicago episode. But I, I mean, those those were our bands that we were actually kind of interested in, like, yeah. especially especially Queen. Mm-hmm. But like, those, those it was like kind of a treat to kind of like catch up on Queen's discography and be like, yeah. man, it's a lot of work, but it's worth it. I don't know if I can feel the same way about Chicago at the end of it. Like, like was it worth it? But then again, okay. My knowledge of them is very limited. Apparently, because they have 36 albums. <laughs> so maybe maybe there would be just some gems. And since we tend not to do uh, concert albums um, yeah, and uh, compilation albums and stuff like that, there'd be strange jumps like, you know, Chicago 5 to Chicago 8 suddenly. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that that's that's actually, those are actually right. But I did notice if you look up just the studio albums, you'll see jumps in the numbering because the, the live albums and stuff like that are like follow along the sequential number as well sort of thing so i wonder how the record label feels about them releasing self-titled albums i think at this point the record label is thrilled to pieces that they have them Uh, because i mean like yeah uh chicago's been a big act i just i i just thought that maybe we should just get it out of the way right now that's i just can't see us covering chicago at any point or, or I mean, arguably any any other band with such a massive, massive discography. We'd have to have a, a, a vested interest, I think. And I think at least some background knowledge. Uh, like, I, I mean, being at least familiar with a few of the albums. Yeah, true, true. Just thought I should mention because I meant to mention it for the last episode and I didn't. But yeah, I guess, I guess we might as well just get straight into it then. We are covering a band that we found as an opener for at, at a concert and... Um, I've actually been really looking forward to this episode. We're on to D. Doug, who are we covering? We are covering Deluxe.
So, uh, as we mentioned at the end of the previous episode, uh, mm-hmm. if you're if you're following along at home, folks, uh, the band we're talking about is the LA-based new wave duo Deluxe D E space L U X. Mm-hmm. Not any of the other iterations that you might possibly spell Deluxe. Yeah, that's a um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I mean, I guess I guess we could kind of just go into how we first kind of how they first drifted by our through our attention uh, back during our first uh, first Alphabet run way back in the day. We cover our M band was Miami Horror. M was yeah, for Miami yeah. Horror. One of our best rec- or um, best performing episodes mm-hmm. for a while, though I think it's a little further down the the list now. But it was pretty high up there for quite a while. It's a, it's an episode I enjoyed as well. I feel like that that was the point. Certainly, I think that was the point in our first run when we definitely had you know our format down and that we were yeah we had our stride. It was not too bad. Yeah, and that from that point on, I think you know we were we were doing a okay. But yeah, no. So we got an opportunity to see Miami Horror. At uh, oh, it was the Electric Owl, which is a venue that doesn't doesn't really exist anymore. That's right. It, was, it wasn't too long after we saw the show that it closed down. Yeah, it's which is too bad. It's it's an it was a nice venue. It's uh, kind of a nice intimate venue and uh, fairly good acoustics, all things considered. I think really it was. I mean, it was a performance venue, but it was also like a bar. I think something a lounge or something. Yeah, it was it was an interesting interesting sort of venue. Yeah, yeah. It was. I wouldn't put it under my favorites, but it was serviceable. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't the worst. <laughs> it, did, it did the job. It was. Uh, it was nice. Uh, not a lot of seating. I think was the big issue. Yeah, I mean, and you know me, I'm like a spider. I need a corner. <laughs> I need a corner to hide in. Doug does because I mean, like, I mean, back in our early concert days, we were right up there and stuff like that. But one too many boots to the face, and Doug, I, I Doug got fun. legit kicked in the face by a crowd server, yeah. and I was like, hmm, you know what? I like these. I like. I like being here for the music. I, I don't know if I like the crowds. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I'll make exceptions. Usually at uh, festivals and stuff, you can get a nice, a nice close view. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, so there were. It was just the two opening bands, if I recall right, uh, for Miami Horror. It was Deluxe, and, and it was um, that. Yeah, what was that other one? Uh, uh, they were a local local group. Yeah, they were okay. Yeah, they were all right. They yeah, had a good yeah. energy, and they were they were nice enough. But um, being an opening band is always a tricky thing, you know. Like, yeah, yeah, you're there to perform for people who are not there to see you, and usually, like, the sound setups aren't as good uh, because, like, the sound people are care more about the the main act. And mm-hmm. so, when when a band is an opening act and they kind of catch your eye, mm-hmm. you're like, okay, you know, this is uh this is gonna be uh, this is a worthwhile one. There's been a few a few bands that we've gotten into by being a uh, being opening acts, uh, Black Mountain Super Rainbow is one of the ones that, sp- that springs to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's always that's always the one that springs to mind when I think of like, oh man, that's a good opening act. Oh wait, sorry, sorry, Steve. <laughs> How dare you? Steve wasn't Steve wasn't there for Black Mountain Super Rainbow. He had he had uh, work difficulties. Uh, yes, yes. Uh, never forgive, never forget. Um, did, did we cover that in the Flaming Lips episode? We did cover that. Okay, yeah. so if you want to know more context, check out the Flaming Lips episode. Yeah, but anyways, so with the with Miami Horror, um, the one opening act that that really certainly drew our ear was was Deluxe. I mean, from the get go, I think I I, uh, I said that you know they reminded me very much of uh, Dancy Talking Talking Heads. Upon listening to more of their stuff, there was definitely a lot of Talking Heads influence. But there's there's so much more. I mean, I was I was just so taken with them. I I just I just enjoyed it. I remember they did uh, the songs for sure. They did Thirty. They did um, Oh Man the Future. Uh, I'm pretty sure they did someday now. I mean, they did actually a pretty pretty fair fair selection off both albums, if I recall. If I recall correctly, see, I don't. I don't. Uh, I just kind of remember the vibe I got from the concert. I don't mm-hmm. remember any track specifically because because you know I didn't know anything by them before, right? Yeah, well, that's just it, right? It's, and um, <laughs> another thing that makes it hard to be an opening act is like if nobody knows if nobody's there for you, nobody knows your work, then it's hard for it's a little harder for people to connect with it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just as an aside, more more recently, I think we covered this as well. They opened uh, opened for Cut Copy down down in California, which I thought I would have loved to have go- gone to see that show. That would have been great oh, yeah, because yeah. I'm I'm quite familiar now with both their discographies. Mm. Good lord, I, I wish you do a Cut Copy episode next time around. Uh, <laughs> we just we just passed by C. Yeah, yeah. Cut Copy would be pretty good. Yeah, although we we didn't do Calm Trues this time around, so. Hmm. We, you know it's uh, it's tough. It's tough uh, do going by having to wait a whole a whole twenty six <laughs> more episodes before you get twenty six plus because twenty six plus yeah, yeah so like twenty eight <laughs> yeah but anyway so yeah, I mean I really took some I went uh, actually I think we both did we both buy both albums I definitely bought 
Yeah, I bought both albums. I bought both albums. Did you... Okay. Because I know they do have vinyl releases. I wasn't sure if you picked up any vinyl. Cause no, I, didn't. I hadn't. Um, um, I think it was... Those are the money. Oh, do they always... even have vinyl at that at that point? They might not have. Um, I don't remember. It's yeah. been it's been actually quite a, a few years. I think at this point, hmm. uh, maybe like 2014, 2015, Whenever the Electric Owl closed down. Well, we could check it by the. It's the same year that Miami Horror's uh, album came out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, because that was the the album itself was pretty new. I think I bought that at at the concert as well. I want to say. So we went uh, at the end of the show, bought both albums. I got them to sign to sign the albums too. I, I I told them like outright. I remember telling them I said, you know, I think you guys are really good. I mean, I really really like to perform. So they were super appreciative, super nice. Yeah, all possible futures was 2015. twenty fifteen. Twenty. I had a feeling. So, I had a feeling it was twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, it's, it's super nice guys. They had a. They had. I think there was another three supporting musicians with them up on stage. But uh, but officially, Deluxe are a duo. Uh, Sean Guerin, sorry if I didn't pronounce that correctly, and Isaac Franco from uh, Los Angeles, California. Primarily synth and guitar work, and like it'd be super easy to just say that they're a synth band, but they're absolutely not. There's a lot of guitar work in the, in the band, and a lot of a lot of fairly definitely a lot of bass. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can definitely hear the bass, and I think and it sounds a lot of the time like it's a real bass guitar. Oh yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. They're currently signed to the Innovative Leisure uh, label. Uh, pop over to the Innovative Leisure uh, website if you got an opportunity and take a look at some of the bands that they've got. It actually looks like a pretty interesting and motley crew. I'm curious in investigating a few more of a few more of those bands and stuff. I don't really have too much more backstory of them. Though their website, well, actually, I, think, I don't even think it's their website. Really, it's their their entry on the Innovative Leisure uh, site. Ultimately, is is more focused on their work, not who they are as as people, and right. which which is fair. I guess, you know, let's go all the way back to 2014, uh, to their first album, Voyage. For you hipsters out there or um, uh, movie aficionados, the uh, second track, Moments, was in the movie Paper Towns. It's a paper town. Paper houses and paper people. Everything's uglier up close. Aren't you? Are things going to be different in the morning? I really hope so. Which I discovered quite by accident, because... The theater I worked at, uh, we do tend to get a lot of the, a lot of those, um, they're not blockbuster product. What would you call them? But, you know, they're not B-movie, they're not foreign, but they're just not blockbuster. They're, oh, um, um, like you want to say indie, but it's not, it's not independent. Mid-range films. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're, you know, they'll have some names attached that you are familiar with, but they're, but they're not super independent. Uh, some people call them indie, but you know, they're. They're kind of also not indie. Um, yeah. Yeah, so like a, a mid-range movie. Yeah, so uh, Paper Towns, yeah, Akira Develine's in it. Um, it was written by John Green, who did The Fault in Our Stars as well, which was which actually I think wound up becoming Blockbuster because it was very popular. Or actually, is Blockbuster even the right... It was very successful. Both movies were very successful, but they also had very small budgets. Right. But anyway, so Akira Develine? Delavine. Delavine. She's, she's in the film, and I remember at the theater doing, you know, just walking past the theater, and actually hearing, I didn't know it at the time, but actually hearing the song Moments, uh, and I was I was very pleasantly surprised. I was like, hooray, hooray for them. That's um, yeah, good. It's good. There's any way to get exposure, right? Yeah, absolutely. Doug, why don't we start with you? What do you think of Voyage with its austere white uh, yeah, sort so of... Yeah, uh, very minimalist uh, But it, it's, it's kind of like... Um, it's like textured. Yeah, te- you know? yeah, yeah. You know, you know. One of the things I struggled with during this, uh, during this, was actually like trying to find good ways to describe it that were actually like not just me going like it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I will say I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's uh, some of the tracks run a little long, I would say, mm-hmm. but other ones, other ones feel okay, feel just right. Nothing's super short. Yeah, you know, uh, it's. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I just had, I listened to it a few times. I just had trouble kind of putting together notes in my head, you know? Mm. I think another problem is that I, I have trouble separating Voyage from the uh, from the following album, Generation, because oh, really? I, I got them at the same time. <laughs> and so, like, they just, it was almost like they came as a, they came as a package to me, right? Yeah. Although I would say that this one is not, I guess, like, each one kind of gets more polished as it goes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this one's a little more raw, but it's it's got a lot of uh, good ideas. I think one of the standout tracks is On the Day. Which uh, I'll, I'll get, I guess I'll get more into that later on. Yeah, it's it's got a kind of a cool, uh, cool synth vibe. Yeah, I don't know. a lot of uh, a lot of interesting 
a lot of interesting uh, textures, I'd say, because there's you can already hear the uh, the cool interplay between guitar and synthesizer and bass, which is sort of the things that uh, I, I think are a driving force in their in their catalog, kind of from start to finish. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a pretty good launching point, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. You can hear Bowie. You can hear Talking Heads. You can hear Talking Heads. I hear a lot of, yeah. especially in this album. I hear. I really hear like. You, if you told me there's, there's a few tracks, if you told me like David Byrne guest vocal, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> you can hear a bit of Chic. I think you hear a little bit more Chic in the next album. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's interesting. I like this because they wear their inspirations on their sleeve, but they don't sound hackneyed or like a ripoff. No, it sounds more like some sort of uh, crazy monstrous hybrid <laughs> of a lot of their inspirations. And I don't, I don't want to bash. Bruno Mars, uh, legit. <laughs> he he went through that phase where he just started sounding like other bands and stuff like that. Yeah, and he put out some really good songs. The song that that he put out that sounds like the Police sounds really good. Uh, um, I think some of his best work is when he's not sounding like himself and doing other people's job, other people's work for them. So yeah, um, but you know the difference is just like he's doing a song that sounds like. The place or sounds oh, yeah. like or know, sounds like Earth, Wind, and Fire. I didn't know what that um, song was called. So one time I googled. What is that Bruno Mars song? It sounds like the police. And, and then sort of came up. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So so I'm not going to knock, knock Bruno Mars, uh, but... No, I did it well. The difference is that in this case with Deluxe, these are clearly inspirations that they have done more with. They've continued along with. Whereas Bruno Mars and, and other and other artists who have done in the past words, it's more like, no, we just want, we want to... We just want to kind of sound like it, or so, you know, we want to we want to do a song that's, that sounds like it. So I mean, there's a fine line between between uh, inspiration and uh, just sounding like you're you're continuing the sound, right? And one isn't necessarily worse than the other, but it's I think you can make the argument that from a creative standpoint, they're both difficult in different ways. You know what I mean? Yeah. One thing that I like about their lyrics is that I think, you know, the majority of lyrics tend to speak to people emotionally, or at least that's the attempt. The The goal in mind is to speak to people emotionally. Uh, one exception to that that we mentioned was Ghostline Observatory, where their their lyrics tend to be more observational. Uh, and I think actually Deluxe more often than not tends to lean that way, whereas about life circumstances or, or things that, that kind of happen to people as opposed to like, you know, ah, that girl, she broke my heart and damn, this is how I feel sort of thing. More along, mm-hmm. more along the lines of like, hey, you know, sometimes people say they're your friends, but you know what? They're two-faced. Fuck them. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the, the, these sorts of lyrics continue on. Uh, I mean, certainly they, they I think they kind of go both ways. But I, I, to be honest, I really like their lyrics. I think that their lyrics are, are, are very good and uh, they work for me. They work for me. Uh, better at making time. The, the um, I'm actually shocked that the song is seven and a half minutes long because I do agree with your observation that sometimes the songs do overstay their welcome. Better at making time doesn't feel like a seven and a half minute long song. It feels kind of like a long song, but not seven and a half minutes. And you know the funny thing is, have you seen the video for it? No. I okay, the video is great because they kind of lampoon it. <laughs> it's a guy and he's got this song stuck in his head, so he's talking to this this girl over the phone. And he's like depressed and she's like, oh, you know, uh, you know, are you coming out? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, I can't. I just can't. And then you see from his point of view, he's just got this song on repeat. And every time he looks around, he sees the, the, the two guys just playing the song and it's driving him nuts. He gets to the point where he takes a knife and he's trying to stab at them. So you see from his point of view, he's stabbing them. And then right. someone's walking past on the street and he's just slicing the air and stuff like that. And and he's going mad because the song and, you know, it's it's such a catchy song. We've all um, had that song in our heads before. Like, yeah. it's, it's very relatable. And then, like, uh, at the end, the, the girl he was talking to goes in to check on him. And uh, she, she, I can't remember if he's lying on the ground or if he's curled up in a ball or but she takes the headphones and she puts them on her head and then she starts hearing the song and then her eyes widen. I mean, it's it's great. It's, it's, a, it's a great music video. They also have a music video for the last track, It All Works All the Time. Uh, which a very again a super appropriate uh, track. It's a cartoon, but it's in one of those older style cartoons, like you know Oswald the Lucky Rabbit sort oh, yeah, of yeah, yeah. grayscale uh, about a cat and the adventures the cat goes through. And the music fits that video super well. Like you would think that certainly the way this song starts, you would think that's 
Um, it was a period song from that from that time, and it's got that quite like the even the effect they use sounds kind of like a cat meowing. I I don't think there's a weak track on here. No, but, nothing sticks out. Nothing sticks out as as not working for me. But in terms of like peak songs, songs that are like really really good, there's only a f- couple, and most of the songs that are just you know kind of good. Maybe if they were tightened up a little bit more, they'd be really good. Oh. You know what I mean? So, so it's a very consistent album, and it's a very good album, but it's also quite long. Yeah, you know, I think maybe that's why I find that um, I don't come back to it all that often. Because, uh, like, I know I know that you love Deluxe, mm. and you always, you've had basically since day one. And I know that I like them, but for whatever reason, like, there's just... I just don't feel compelled to go and listen to them very often. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. And, and maybe that it is just like it's a little too long or I don't know. But yeah, Voyage, I, I feel, uh, out of the cu- couple albums that we got, uh, was the weaker of the two. But also can't deny the high points. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next year, 2015, which I guess so when we saw them, this album was brand spanking new. Oh, of course, they were touring for it, I bet. Not only was it new, if I recall... They sold us it a little bit before the release day. You're right. It hadn't been officially released yet. So we actually got it a little bit ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Which was, you know, made us, made us feel a little special. Mm-hmm. They're like, hey, Deluxe is making an exception just for us and everyone else at this concert. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, tell me, how do you feel about uh, about Generation? Uh, now with a... So this cover art uh, is like it's like black paper that's been kind of like crumpled and stuff so still it's still kind of like a very kind of minimalist cover art but now it's like the opposite direction yeah it does mean they stand out from each other on the shelf though for sure yeah yeah and there's no no mixing them up <laughs> yeah. um so this one is a little um it's a little more polished you know uh it's, but not significantly like it's not like there's this huge leap in production value i think yeah but it's you can kind of tell they've just honed it in a little bit more i almost want to say it's more quirky mm. like a, a little more fun but you know, at the same time, it was it was already kind of a, a light upbeat sound, so it's not. It's I don't know. It just feels like like every dial was kind of just turned up a notch or two. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, I think I enjoy it more. Um, you know, part of the problem is that I have trouble remembering which song is which, <laughs> except for a few of them, like the, some of the real standout tracks. Um, you know, of course, one of the more uh, unique tracks on the album is "Oh Man, the Future." <laughs> yeah. Um, just due to the fact that it's it's very uh, it's got a narrative style. It's 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 more like um, it's it's like he's he's just lamenting about very specific things that may that will happen in the future. Um, <laughs> again, that, that's, those lyrics that are more observational than like you know emotional, heartfelt sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah. But you know, I, I get, it's yeah. it's those lyrics I find super interesting because you just don't hear them very often. No, right? no, it's, it's definitely has a, a lot of character to it. The tracks are a little more, are generally speaking, more manageable in length, uh, except for conditions, which is longer than anything else. And I feel like could be too long. Yeah. It's about eight. Oh, you know, yeah, it's eight minutes. It's eight minutes. So uh, at least it doesn't speak to me as like an eight-minute long giant track, but still a little too long. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's quirky. It's fun. It's, it's a little bit less uh, David Burney, and mm-hmm. uh, um, I you know feels like it's it's definitely a step in them having their own very unique identity, but still still wearing their influences on the sleeve. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really, really, really like this album. With uh, but it's not a perfect album. Whereas I felt that uh, Voyage was very consistent um, with only a couple minor peaks and stuff. This one's way more inconsistent with higher peaks. Okay. Um, okay, LA Threshold, great way to open an album. 30 is is my favorite song by them, hands down. Which And the lyrics are about how, hey, you've turned 30, mm-hmm. it's not the end of the world. <laughs> sort of thing. Well, I mean, we've, I, we've all been there, except uh, for anyone who's under 30. <laughs> I mean, it's great because he admits, you know, he still goes on Facebook. He still jerks off to porn. You know, but he's feeling distressed that he hasn't made anything out of his life. And that, you know, there, there was an expectation that, mm-hmm. you know, when you're over 30, you should be established as an adult. You're an yes. adult now. You're not You're not a kid. You're not a, you're not a teen. You're not in college. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, <laughs> you're not you're not that college frat boy age sort of thing. You're well, yeah. you're in the working world. You're over 30. But, you know, you're still, you know, you're still you. You're still who you are. And it, and it, it, it tackles that. And um and it it hits like it's it's like this great pitch perfect new wave song right very uh, very new wavy you know it almost kind of sounds at at points 
Actually, this is this is actually I noticed a few times in the, in their catalog. I, I think there was a couple times in the new last album because I, I it occurred to me today is just like a, a more crisply produced Ariel Pink at times. Okay, so take away the lo-fi. <laughs> yeah, like sure, because it's it sounds it sounds more clean, like yeah. way more well, way more clean at times. Yeah. Um, so, but at the same time, yeah, you can still. There's something about the way the synthesizer is and the way the bass thumps and stuff like that that, that remind me a bit of Ariel Pink. Mm-hmm. It's it's got a couple of these these old school new wave moments to it. You do, you don't tend to hear anymore. There's a part in the song where he says. It distorts and it fades off in an echo and the music swells. And then another one where suddenly he just, uh, where he just, he stops singing and he just says, These just little, little strange little throwback sort of things that, that were actually to us. I'm going to bloody bring up talking heads again. That just, <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that like they were, they were innovators really. Talking heads were, were, Cutting edge, absolutely, and and, uh, and had a, such a unique personality that was very much their own, mm-hmm. and the only one who's been able to sort of like propel that for, forward and, and keep that going after Talking Heads broke up was David Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> so burning down the house. I'm sorry. Uh, I actually, it's this one of the first songs that that come that comes to mind is that like it, the David Byrne version. Uh, you know, the burning down the house is. I mean, it's it's great. Mm, okay, it's, it's, it's sorry. It's kind of hard to put words to, but there are musical conventions that that if they didn't pioneer them, they certainly brought them into the into the limelight through executing them. That's um, that I really got a, a sense of here. And uh, although like they're different enough, like you're not gonna like see one directly as an influence, but also I'd see I see parallels with Oh Man the Future and Once in a Lifetime. Just the, it's the narrative sort of vocal style, definitely. Yeah, um, and then and then it actually really it really the first half of that album really really keeps going. Living in open place is great. I'm shocked it's six minutes. Uh, that's the thing is that like when I think about it, when I think about the difference between these two albums, my first thought is that the songs are shorter on Generation. They're not, but I think they're just better written, and so they 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 are, they feel more like that the time's being used better. Again, I'm not I don't want to put down Voyage at all. I really like it, but. It just feels like they're really using the time better here. Center of Love is is a great song. Simba, Simba, Simba about uh, about drug use is also a fantastic song and super energetic. Then you know, to be honest, um, the, I, I adore the sound, but no one really cares who you are. Is a, quite a stumble in my opinion. It's it's. And kind of an awkward, an awkward starts. See, I I don't like how the vocals are are done. Um, okay, but yeah. okay, but about halfway through the song, they do do they do start to do interesting things with it. You know, when he's so, saying so the journey's th- too long to get there. He's yeah, where 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 there's vocal interplay against each other. You know, I thought you knew. No one really cares who you are. I thought that's interesting. That's that's pretty good stuff. But uh, on the the lead up to it, um, you kind of lose me. Thankfully, then we have Oh Man in the Future, which then reels you back in, which is a great song. But then conditions. Oh my God, uh, conditions. Yeah, I was saying it, was, it definitely is a one that overstays as welcome. And I can't really find any like for you know no one really cares who you are. There's some stuff in there that I found interesting. I can't really say the same about conditions. And there's a weird key change near the end that uh, that I just don't like at all. And then I mean they try to do like a little where it's, uh, it starts to you know fall off a little bit. Uh, before resume but it not there's not much about conditions that works for me i to be honest i might just straight omit that off the album oh yeah um but it's it's so long Hmm. i might just take that one um off because unfortunately by that point when your life feels like a loss and it's a combination are actually fairly fairly good songs i I think it's interesting that uh no one really cares who you are in conditions seem like some of the more lo-fi ones on the album too mm. like just they're, they're just not as they don't feel as finished, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And then, unfortunately, it casts it casts a shadow over the second half of the album. But when your life feels like a loss, and it's a combination, are both really good, really good songs with some really really interesting guitar work. And it's easy to overlook that, but I would encourage anybody to to really you know give 
like give those songs give those songs a chance if, even if you weren't digging those other two uh and someday now might also be one of the best tracks on the album it's a great closer and it's super dancey and it's super fun one of their singles yeah it's it's about it's about um you know always waiting for you know that day to come when you know you're finally gonna like seize the day and you know you're finally gonna do it and you're finally or, you know whatever it is and yeah you know and it, it's interesting because the the main hook is so dancey but then the verses uh and even the chorus can be can be a little bit of like you know kind of sad and kind of reflective and i love that i love that interplay i think it's great i think it's a great 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 song so i mean overall the album i love this album but it's got i would say arguably two pitfalls in it that's yeah and this is a little hard to ignore an eight minute pitfall but that's just it though it's so long right i mean you know maybe it would work if it was a nice like short song sure like because you know it's it's not like it's devoid of anything like uh, anything of substance, I think anyway. I think that there's some good ideas in there that maybe if they just you know sped it up. Sure, yeah. sure. Um, sure. You know, not sped it up isn't like actually speed up the tempo. Or but, you, you know. could have. I mean, take a look at a major label debut for Broken Social Scene. That's true. Yeah, there's a slow version and a long and, version. Yeah, or a slow version and, and fast version. I should say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, guys, take what I say with a grain of salt. You know, it's. So your music. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then we have uh, a significant now jump forward uh, in time. Deluxe themselves released the statement that Voyage was their baby and Generation was their baby all grown up. And more disco songs about love was about was the baby that didn't want to grow up and uh, wanted mm. to be a kid and just wanted to party. And uh, now we've got we got some more influence. We still have the new wave in here, but now we're we're getting we're getting like, some disco in here. We're getting. I heard Earth, Wind, and Fire in, in here. I think it was Stratosphere Girl in particular. I heard I heard freaking Earth, Wind, and Fire uh, quite a bit. I mean, I actually, I really dig this album too in completely different ways. I think it's, I, I, you know how when you're watching like an older movie, like in the 70s or the 80s, mm-hmm. and it's a science fiction movie, or and they're, they're, they're predicting kind of what the future is like, but there's things in there that are still reminiscent of the era. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, that, that automatically kind of dated. I kind of had that moment the other day when I'm listening to this album. And it's such a disco album. But I'm listening to it in the shower because I've got my phone Bluetooth connected to an in-shower speaker. Oh, nice. Right? So I'm using this technology from like the, eight, the 70s and 80s when disco was, was fairly prevalent. But I'm using like the technology that they, you know, that was science fiction to them, basically. And I just kind of had this moment where I was like, huh, it's it's kind of weird. You know, it's also like when um, when uh, Art, Art Deco stuff is used as, as sort of like retro design. You know, uh, I think of like Silver City Metropolis, you know, where they've got the they've got some of that Art Deco stuff yeah, on the where top. It's, where it purposefully looks like future. Yeah, it, it looks future. It looks deliberately like what people in the 50s thought the future would look like. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but isn't actually what the future looks like, you know. So it's I kind of had that moment when I was listening to this through technology they could only dream of. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. How, how do you feel about more disco songs about love? It felt tighter. And tighter and tidier and uh, pretty consistently fun. I don't remember any points where I was uh, where I was bored. I haven't had a lot of time to like listen to this one like I have the other two albums. So it's uh, again I, I'm not I'm, I'm just terrible at like remembering which songs are which, uh, especially because I find that I don't know a lot of the time that their that their songs aren't really hook based. So it's not like you have this. Um, you have this instant reference point when you hear a title and you're like, oh, because I, I remember what I'm saying. That the chorus, typically you don't you don't really get that in their songs. I find, mm. except for like a few a few exceptions. But like some of the other albums and, and others, the hook and the appeal is very much in the textures of the music, and the uh, the again the interplay between the synthesizers and in this one, even more so than the others, the bass. This this is definitely more like. Thwappy bass sounds, which is, um, which is you know I, I have a bit of a weakness for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to be T B H everybody. I uh, yeah I really like, I uh, really like the bass in this album. I think it's very consistently good. And uh, and yeah, so that's uh, synth and bass. You know, just a lot a lot of synth and bass, a lot of uh, fun songwriting, and uh, typically very upbeat. And um, 
and left a good impression. Saying I don't know, like I mean I, I don't know like if where I put it in like like oh this is my favorite or this is my second favorite or whatever because um, I just I, it, it's still very fresh so it kind of needs to like sink in a bit more. It's just it's all it's done is washed over me. Yeah, because it's, it's new, right? It just came out in January this year. Right? Yeah, it's 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 only come once old. They had eight hundred seventy five dollars available last year, I believe. I was you know, like, man, sorry guys, that your funds are so low. <laughs> I'm trying to put together only eight hundred seventy five dollars for the whole album. Um, sorry, continue. Yeah, no, um, I like the fact they're still cheeky. I mean, just off the get go, whenever you have a song titled "Music Snob" in your item, yeah, in your in your album That's from the get go. Um, it's like, okay, what are they wanting to say? <laughs> you know, sort of thing. I, I agree, actually. You know, come to think of it, they're not, they tend not to be fairly typical with uh, course verse structure mm-hmm. on the whole. There's exceptions. Someday Now is a, is a, is a good exception for that. But uh, no, they're not, they're not constrained by, by formula, interestingly enough, even though they're tinkering with what was predominantly pop music. On the whole, I mean, this is the type of album you just kind of like, you, you kind of plug in and you just kind of listen to and it's a, it's a great energetic ride, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't remember any, like, listening to it. There was never a moment where I'm just like, oh, come on. Yeah, you know, there was... Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think this one might be their strongest album. It's hard for me to say because, you know, I'm going to need more time to reflect on it. But strongest in terms of just consistency. You know, sometimes you can kind of look at something on and say it's something stronger... On sort of like a very objective level, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, 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 and you know, again, like we kind of, it kind of sounds like we don't like long songs when we when we talk about here, but the, which is of course is not the case. But um, again, my favorite Pink Floyd song is Echoes. Yeah, I just think that like you just gotta be discerning as to what songs you make long. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too, because I think I think you've hit upon a good point in that. Um, the modern pop audience, you will tend to lose them the longer a song gets. Mm-hmm. It's just that's just how it is. Not always, uh, but you will tend to lose them. Plus, there there also comes to a point. It's just like when you start to pass like minute five, minute six, minute seven. Are you doing anything anything else in the song? If you're doing like, um, I think the the epitome would be Bohemian Rhapsody, where you're literally changing the construct of the song, you're going through different movements and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ideas and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're just doing like, holy cow, like the same, you know, the same verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, maybe a bridge, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and you're going going on and on and on like that, at, at a point, it's just like, uh, what's, like, what what are, are we, like, what are we trying to say at this point? Like, why? Why are we still, why are we still going? Uh, actually, my, like, um, Car- Carousel Lambra, Led Zeppelin, you know that there's that's, that's a great song. Just goes on way too damn long because it's uh, they do there is uh, a bit of a, a movement change for sure, but it's more of just a tempo change and it's 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 not substantial enough. So to make a really long song, I think you need to kind of have a few different elements thrown in. And you got to change it up, and there's I think there's got to be a reason. Like why why does the song have to be so so long? And I'm not talking about even four or five minutes, six long songs. I'm talking about like when you start to get like. Eight plus, you know. Those <clears throat> makes me think of like um, the dark times with techno. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great no. That's a great example. That's a great yeah. example. Well, no, no, like yeah, back when like it was just like kind of needlessly lo- twelve minute long songs. Well, I guess it wasn't needless. It was probably just because it was like constructed for a, a rave. <laughs> sure, know? sure. But but if but for a casual listener, if you're just listening to something that. Yeah, if, you, if you're just like listening to a song on the go and you're just like living a normal life and not on ecstasy, then it's like, well, you know, what is the point behind this? <laughs> no, it's 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 hundred percent true. That's why like so many techno songs that became popular had radio versions. Yes, because exactly. it's just like you can't like oh the freaking Alex DJ is better off alone. What was the original version was like what twelve minutes or so? No, that actually that one was that one was uh, thankfully not super long, but it was it was definitely longer than the radio edit. It's probably it's probably more like six or seven minutes. Okay, which one am I thinking of that just bloody goes on forever? Is it Darude Sandstorm? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> there, there's so many. Um, yeah, no, it, it 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 does get to the point though where it's just like thump 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 thump. Bring in next instrument. Bring in next instrument. Bring in next instrument. Have like six minutes on. Okay, drop an instrument. Drop an instrument. Drop an instrument. Well, anyways, so 
I found, yeah, no, sure. They, I don't really feel like they tread that line into, oh, you know, enough already with, with the, with the one exception. But yeah, I mean, like already this one is all things considered tighter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just found it to be pretty, uh, pretty good experience for the for the duration of the album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, which you know, people listening were like, "Hmm, that tells us basically nothing." But, but you know, I, yeah, just uh, you know, you can check it out. It's on it's on Spotify. It's on Bandcamp. It's mm-hmm. on uh, the Innovative Leisure uh, websites, label website. Go check it out there. Mm-hmm. That's why I ordered. They have a vinyl. I ordered a vinyl three pack from them. Uh, I run into a few shipping errors. But hopefully I've got it all smoothed out and stuff because Hasn't I'm really looking yet, forward yeah. to it. Yeah. Hmm? Hasn't come in yet, hey? N- no, it got bounced back to the warehouse because uh, uh, I don't know. It's it's it's, okay, it's, okay. it's a long story, but um, I'm looking forward to for it coming in. Want to you know hear it on vinyl because I feel like I feel like that might be part of part of the experience. You know, well. their their music could lend itself well to vinyl because it has that sort of like nostalgic quality to it as well, right? Absolutely. Yeah, because they they harken so much back to the. The funk and in this case disco days and but at the same time, same time it's it's got modern fidelity. So there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um. Let's do some track recommendations. A tour. Let's do it. Sure. From Voyage, I gotta say, this is probably my favorite song by them. But on the day, I think is so so solid. Um. And it's 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 not as fun. It's, it's got this okay, it's got this weird sort of mood to it mm-hmm. where there is sort of a fun aspect to it but also this sort of uh, seriousness and sort of contemplative quality um, but man like right away right the it hits you with a, with this really cool sort of like guitar effect and uh, and deep sounding synthesizer and, and like there's this there's a really cool like musical contrast like you can hear right away and um and yeah it has this, this interesting like emotionality to it but also yeah i don't know I, I just i i just like it i just think it's so so good from start to finish and even though it's like you know it's, it's, it's a sizable track but it, i i never wanted to end Okay, this is this is a good example of making use of their time. Uh, at six and a half minutes, his the way he sings becomes more frantic and emotional as the song goes on, but the music stays the same. So this is this is an exception when I said that they don't tend to do those you know emotional gravitas songs or whatever. This one is because like by the end like he starts off very very calm and collected. By the end of it, he sounds anguished, but the music stays the same. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That's good. So I, I, I couldn't recommend this song anymore. You, you gotta you gotta check that one out. I think it's a great a great selling point for deluxe. Mm-hmm. On a more uh, quirky side of things, I gotta go with the Oh Man the Future. <laughs> uh, that I have seen this music video. Have you seen it? Oh, I haven't. It's, it's like them skateboarding down like a suburban street and like driving a truck and and, and like it's, it's super goofy and I really like it. Um, and it's, you know because it's just them talking about the future. And oh man, that future man is gonna—it's gonna be a mess. <laughs> you know, it's—it's it's interesting because it is—it is sort of like it's a comedic song to some extent. There's no like obvious like hilarious hilarious moments, but it's just—it's just got this really kind of like funny quality. To it. But also like you know, it's not like they're—they're they're saying things that are irrelevant. It, it is it's sort of there is a level of actual social commentary in there as well. Sure. And and it's just a nice way to approach it because it's not heavy—it's not being heavy. It's a little heavy. <laughs> but I, I think it's because they allow themselves to have fun with it that you just sort of allow allow them to to have this sort of like point of view about how this, how the world the society is going because it's because it's kind of presented in a fun way. You know, it's all about packaging, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, they, they it's this really cool line that they straddled, and I, I and I think it works perfectly. And I mean, I, I mean, we gotta mention too is that like technically they're sort of like living in the future the music style they're employing is like 20 30 years old but they're in what that music style would just like have as the future you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i mean yeah you're right it could just it could you know, also be kind of a right now commentary mm-hmm. you know yeah this one uh cause for concern on more disco songs about love uh, I mean, if you don't if you don't listen to that bass track, and you, or if you listen to it and you and you 
Look me in the eye and say, that's garbage. <laughs> I think you're a liar. <laughs> okay, does the guitar not remind you of Prince? Oh yeah, you know what, now that you mention it, I can hear it. Yeah. Um, it didn't It didn't spring out to me when I first thought of it, but yeah, 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 yeah it kind of kind of harkens back to those uh, 1999 days. <laughs> you know, 1999 isn't like, yeah, I'm from 1982. Uh, <laughs> 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 Yeah, it's got a bit of that, uh, but that bass is just so killer, and uh, and you know it's a song that kind of I feel like reflects their their sound as a whole as well. So it's like if you want to get a good sense of what they sound like, that's a good track to go to because um, you know it's got that cool kind of interplay again the interplay between the synth and the guitar and the bass. Um, it's it really kind of makes the uh, makes their sound special and. And it's all there. It's all in cause for concern. So check it. Check it out. For sure. Okay, so I'm going to go from uh, one problem as well. Why not, right? <laughs> hey, why not? Why not? That's kind of a tough one, to be honest. But, um, okay, I'm going to go with Moments. Moments is a really, really good song. It's, it's got, like, a, it's, it's uh, kind of heavy musically. But, like, there's the main synth hook, which is, which is really heavy. Um, and then, but then it immediately lightens up. Um, you know, da, 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 and then it goes. Da, 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 da. Um, but you know, I think it's, it's got a great sentiment behind it, and it's it's a it's a lot of fun, and uh, it's a great way to, to continue the energy of the album. It had the unenviable task of of, uh, of being their second track, and which is always you know it's always kind of a tricky track to be in um, because Better at Making Time is a great introduction track, but kind of long, but a great introduction track. And how are you going to keep that momentum going? And I think Moments kind of showcases a different side of them. Not quite as goofy, a little more introspective, and uh, yeah, I recommend it. My favorite song by Deluxe is off of Generation, it's 30. came very close to Someday Now, but I think 30, uh, what I really like about it is, and I, I, I spent so many yards about it already, um, but you know, it's just like pitch perfect new wave song. Uh, it's got all those elements that I, that I love, it's got a sentiment that I absolutely adore, and that I think is totally relatable. Yeah. Look it up. And then for more disco songs about love, I'm actually going to go with Porn in the Nightmare. Porn, Porn in the Nightmare? <laughs> I don't know what they were going for with that. Um, I remember listening to it and thinking they've chosen this one to close off the album because it's kind of like, it's a deluxe song. You know, it's it's uh, not that it's like a, a typical run-of-the-mill song, but it's, it's a song that kind of takes all the things that they're the strongest with and kind of throws it in together. You know, it's got kind of, it's got the cheeky lyrics. It's got high energy. It's got great bass. It's got a really interesting synth hook. It's got like everything you could possibly want. I was like, this is why they stuck this in. It's like, yeah, we tinkered around with a lot of, a lot of stuff that we haven't done in previous songs, but just to remind you, this is who we are sort of thing. Great way to close out, close out the album. I concur. I concur. Sweet. He, cool. you, ah, uh, yeah. Oh, there you go. Uh, there's the, the, the definitive deluxe podcast <laughs> <laughs> for anyone who just had to know. Yeah, look up, look them up sometime. There, there are a couple, uh, couple energetic and fun young guys. It's you know, it's a band that's kind of like it's hard not to like to think of deluxe and, and not want to like recommend them. Yeah, like it, there's nothing that they do that I, I would just sort of see as like a deal breaker. Like, like, yeah, okay, if if you don't. Like unless you like hate synthesizer. And- I mean, yeah, you might hate new wave. <laughs> yeah, if you yeah. hate new wave, you hate disco. Yeah, yeah. Like, or if you're if you're if you're just the kind of person who like only like only metal, <laughs> only metal or nothing, then fine. But like, I just I think anyone who just likes music in general should give Deluxe a shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Like I said, as well, a great live show. Like they had mm-hmm, they had yeah. they had a live performance that hooked me. I, I hadn't heard of these guys before. And in fact, if I recall, the tickets just said Miami Horror and Guests or something like that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I can't remember for sure, but... I, I seem to recall, like, more often than not, we don't tend to know who the openers are because the, uh, the tickets tend not to say. All I know is that I didn't know these guys going in. And they hooked me. And I bought both their albums. And I had to meet them and tell them that I thought they were great. Uh, and that's that's based on a live performance. Yeah, you know, there was a bit of a different energy to the live show. It sure. Was, uh, it was, I mean, just because it's, you know, different acoustics and different... You've all, they've also got a backing band with them, too, who yeah. are also bringing a little bit of themselves in when they play around. But, uh, you know, a lot of personality. Uh, so I definitely recommend checking them out live. It's uh, It was it was good. It was a good show. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. So uh, next week we haven't quite settled on what we're going to do for the letter E, but it's going to be it's going to be an interesting episode nonetheless, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you have any recommendations for any letter of the alphabet, if you have opinions on deluxe or chairlift or BGs or any of the bands that we have covered or again that you think we should cover, feel free to drop us a line. There's a few ways of doing so. Uh, the first, go to our website, musicazpodcast.com. You can check out our show notes. You can sort by genre. You can read up a bit about us. Great way of touching base with us. Our Facebook page, Music A to Z Podcast. Join in the conversation. See some of the fun things that we post. I like to post little videos. I like to post questions. You, you know, we got questions. You got answers. Sure. So source us out on iTunes. Go to uh, the podcast section. Search us up. Ratings and reviews. Every review and rating that we get plugs us into the algorithm for iTunes recommendations. I know I'm 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 bad for it as well. We all are, but take honestly take 45 seconds, guys. Throw throw me a bone. Go up. Go over on there. Rate and review us. You can even say something like, "Hey, I like it," or something like that. It's, it's all good. We'll read it out on the show. We love feedback. Get send us some feedback. We also have a uh, Twitter account at Music AZ Podcast at Music. AZ podcast stuff. Send me some tweets. Whenever I go to concerts, I, I do a bit of a uh, bit of live tweeting there too. You can find me all over that uh, internet if you look up Doug J C Ferguson. And that includes you know Instagram and and Twitter and my own website uh, DougJCFerguson.com. So that's that's kind of where you can find a little bit of everything that I do. But uh, you know what I'm focusing most of all on is my YouTube channel, Moving Underscore Pictures. That's pictures with a K. If you like movies and uh, and TV shows and nostalgia and all that stuff, please check out the uh, the YouTube channel and subscribe because you want to talk about algorithms. <laughs> YouTube's all about those algorithms. It lives off them, man. And uh, a little bit of a throwback. Recently, I've posted, uh, there's a show called Ali Hasn't where I'm showing my girlfriend things from my childhood and we do uh, Prozac, the which is a band that we've covered on the show. So if you want a little bit of crossover, there you go. Hey, what so, do you know? Yeah, you know, uh, check it, check it, check it out. Check, 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 check it out. Cool. All right, I'm going to close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and is produced by me, Stephen Ferguson. You should check out our other works at DougJCFerguson.com and StephenGCFerguson.ca. Ferguson.ca.